Welcome back to another episode of the Portal Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Clinton, editor and columnist for Heartland College Sports. It's Wednesday, March 1st, and we've got a major NIL story to dissect in this week's show, and we're just going to jump right into it. Last week, the NCAA issued its first ever ruling in a name, image, and likeness infractions case that revolves around Haley and Hannah Cavender, who currently play for the Miami Hurricanes, played for Fresno State last season before hitting the transfer portal. And this is this is the first case of its kind. So we are heading into uncharted territory, and we're not really sure what things are going to look like from here on out because there's been no precedent set for this kind of case. And so let's go through the details of what made this case and, and why the NCAA decided to step in. Uh, way back just about a year ago on April 21st, 2022, Haley Cavender and Hannah Cavender transferred from Fresno State to Miami. And with them came a huge following on social media, most notably TikTok and Instagram. While in the portal, the Cavender sisters, along with their parents, had dinner with John Ruiz, a billionaire and prominent Hurricanes donor. Uh, They had dinner at his home in Miami on April 13th, 2022. After the dinner, uh, Ruiz posted a photo on Twitter, and it showed him as well as the group standing in front of his home. And this picture is what led the NCAA into the report um, or into the investigation, rather, uh, which which began in May. So the NCAA's report also stated that the meeting was arranged by Hurricanes head coach Katie Meyer. That's an issue. <clears throat> in the report, the meeting was described as impermissible contact, and the chef prepared dinner was, that was provided by Ruiz was classified as a recruiting inducement. Uh, inducement. Uh, also meaning pay for play. Those kinds of those words are kind of one and the same. Now, after a year long investigation uh, into the University of Miami's basketball program, its women's basketball program, and its recruiting, we finally have a ruling. So, uh, head coach Katie Meyer served a three game suspension at the beginning of the year, but in in addition to that, the NCAA also penalized the Miami women's basketball program with the following. They must serve a one-year probation. They'll pay a $5,000 fine plus 1% of their entire women's basketball budget. Uh, There is a 7% reduction in the number of official visits uh, in the women's basketball program during the 2022 and 23 academic year. There is a reduction of nine recruiting person days in the women's recruiting and women's basketball recruiting for the 2023 academic year. A three-week prohibition, uh, prohibition against recruiting communications by women's basketball staff beginning with the open date of the transfer portal, which is March 13th through April 2nd, 2023, and a 10% suspension uh, for the head coach, which was served during the first three contests of the 2023 season, as we discussed. However, the issue that lies with a lot of people is that the prominent booster, John Ruiz, was not disassociated from the program despite explicitly violating rules and contacting the twins and providing them with the quote-unquote impermissible meal. That's an issue. And uh, the NCAA's Committee of Infractions was not particularly happy that uh, during this negotiated resolution that Ruiz was not disassociated from the program. Um, however, with the case being a negotiated resolution between the school and NCA enforcement, 
the Committee of Infractions, or COI, was in a position of either accepting or rejecting the outcome, and it chose to accept, but as I said, it expressed its reservations in an unusual unusual preamble to the case synopsis. Uh, Here's a quote from Sports Illustrated's report. Who was the first? Sports Illustrated was the first to report on this. Uh, Quote, the investigation did not develop any facts directly linking activity around name, image, and likeness to the prospect's recruitment to or decision to enroll in the University of Miami. This is a quote directly from the Committee of Infractions. Quote, during its review, however, the panel was troubled by the limited nature and severity of institutional penalties agreed upon by Miami and the enforcement staff, namely the absence of a disassociation of the involved booster. Although the parties asserted that a disassociation penalty would be inappropriate based on an impermissible meal and an impermissible contact, today's new NIL-related environment presents a new day. Boosters are involved with prospects and student-athletes in ways the NCAA membership has never seen or encountered. In that way, addressing impermissible booster conduct is critical, and the disassociation penalties present uh, presents an effective penalty available to the COI. So, essentially, moving forward, there could be situations where this sort of booster involvement requires the uh, Committee of Infractions to disassociate those sorts of, of boosters involved with programs. And obviously, that's a big deal for anything NIL-related because that is where the money is coming from. The, the name, image, and likeness money is coming from these big money donors like John Ruiz. So committee, the Committee of Infractions Chief Hearing Officer Gary Miller told Sports Illustrated that this Miami ruling should not be viewed as a precedent going forward because Miller says that the COI will take a hard look at booster behaviors and find ways of curbing booster-related infractions. Quote, what the NIL thing has done is introduced a completely different sphere of potential conduct that we're concerned about. We just want to make sure that the members and athletic departments and boosters know that there's a concern and will be concerns about booster conduct in the NIL space. So what does all of this mean for NIL collectives and boosters going forward? Well, it means you better watch your back because the NCAA, who we have all seen run to the end of its chain and bark in situations like this, has officially fired a warning shot. So the NCAA came out and said that the rulings will not be a precedent for future future NIL-related cases, um, but we will see them potentially take things further now that a precedent, quote-unquote, has been set. So I'm not necessarily ready to say that teams are going to continue to get away with what they have been, but I also, in the same sense, would like to say the NCAA has said a lot, they've talked a lot, but they haven't done a lot. And now Mark Emmert is out as NCAA president. So we'll see if some things change under the new leadership, but I'm not ready just to say that the NCAA is going to be this crackdown uh, law enforcement that they, that they claim that they're going to be going forward. I just, I I'll believe it when I see it. So 
Another interesting quote from the Committee of Infractions, uh, this this is from Ch- uh, Chair David Roberts. He told Sports Illustrated, we're not telling boosters that we're going to slam you, but don't take this as precedent that it will never happen. Boosters can't help recruit, and they certainly can't give inducements. So what we're trying to do is, what the NCAA is trying to do is, they want players to be able to benefit from name, image, and likeness. However, they want it to be on the NCAA's terms. They don't want players being told that they're going to be paid this amount to come and play for a team. Uh, they they don't want pay-for-play, which obviously I think pay-for-play has the power to ruin sports as we know it at the collegiate level. So I do agree that there need to be some rules in place. But this is a situation where the toothpaste is already out of the tube. And I don't think that it's going to go back in the tube without there being a mess. And that proverbial toothpaste is name, image, and likeness and boosters being able to pretty much do what they want to to get players to come and play for for their favorite school. So uh, what is the NCAA doing about all of this? Well, they are putting in place, they're trying to put in place new uh, rules, and they're also asking uh, for some help from Capitol Hill. They're trying to find government assistance and find some legislation to help them enforce the rules uh, with NIL-related issues. They're also being pretty aggressive about this. Uh, the enforcement staff's been built back up. Um, it was pretty much gutted during COVID-19 pandemic. They've, they have re-bolstered the enforcement staff, and they've also hired an associate director of enforcement that's going to focus solely on NIL cases. So the NCAA is doing what it feels is necessary to tackle cases like th- this case with the Cavender sisters. There are places, there are cases out there like like uh, the Rashada case, who had a multi-million dollar deal with Florida that fell through. Now he's going to play at Arizona State. I'm assuming Arizona State was the highest payer in this situation, but they're trying to get those sorts of deals out because that is clearly pay for play, and there's no room for that in college sports. And so. We're trying to see what the NCAA is doing. So what are the conferences that these these teams and players are playing in? What are they doing? Well, interestingly, just a few days after this Cavender case came down, on three secured an ACC memo uh, from that was dated back in December 13th of 2022 that listed five must-haves. Uh, that the ACC said that they had must-haves for federal legislation. In the memo, there were working groups from the ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac-12, and the SEC, uh, conferences that are officially known in the NCAA circles as the Autonomy Five, uh, and obviously we all call them the Power Five. They reached a consensus uh, on what they consider must-haves for potential federal legislation. Those must-haves, there's five of them, are as follows. One, they want to prevent college athletes from being classified as employees. Number two, they want to prevent granting athletes their name, image, and likeness rights in the media telecast of competition. Number three, they would like to prevent NIL or third-party payments being used as recruiting or participating inducements. 
Number four, they would like federal legislation to preempt state laws in regards to NIL rulings. And number five, they would like uh, legal liability protection provided for following for those following these provisions of the new law, at least prospectively. So they're looking for some pillars to build NIL rules on so that we don't continue to see the crazy offseason stuff that we've seen over the last year and a half. Because this has been nothing short of the Wild West. There's no reason why players like Jordan Addison should leave a place that they've had a great career and go across the country to play for USC rather than Pitt because money is involved. There should not be any way for boosters or coaches or anybody from another program to be able to talk to players uh, at a separate program to try and get them to come. We're talking, we're talking about super teams being made through payment. Now, one could argue that teams like Alabama and Georgia are already super teams. And how are we supposed to see teams like, uh, you know, take those teams on? That's not, I don't think that that's what we're getting at because they have, a dedicated and already established success to build off of. And when you have teams like Texas A&M, who all of a sudden have the top recruiting class in the country, we saw how that played out for them last year. But my point is money should not be what's bringing kids in to play for different programs. It should be an established base of success or a coach, a coaching staff that is, is successful and can give these kids new and better opportunities, not a bigger wallet or uh, more cash in a McDonald's bag. And so um, further on the memo, the ACC memo that was recovered by on three says the power five conferences have spent the past year developing a strategic initiative to pursue a federal legislative solution that sets forth a sustainable path for intercollegiate athletics. So essentially they're saying they've spent the last year trying to get federal legislation in place that's going to give players and coaches and boosters and programs a path that they can stay on and stay within the rules and do things properly uh, to let NIL coincide with collegiate athletics in the way that it's intended. Uh, We have not seen federal legislation get involved just yet. It needs to happen. Whether it will, I don't know at this point, but it does need to happen, and they are pulling for that. Uh, the ACC memo also says that they have not discussed in detail or reached a consensus regarding three additional categories uh, in which they feel a potential bill is expected to be addressed. The other issues in, uh, include additional student-athlete support, health care benefits for student-athletes, and then enforcement of laws and new legislation. So. They're not exactly seeing eye to eye on some other things, which healthcare for student athletes has been something that has been a point of contention for different conferences and different minds for years and years and years. But in this memo, they were saying that healthcare benefits could include establishing a minimum standard of healthcare benefits, including providing portable healthcare insurance policies that would cover a period of post eligibility and providing healthcare subsidy payments for institutions outside of the autonomy five. So they're looking to enhance the healthcare benefits of, of players who are putting their bodies on the line 
for essentially entertainment and uh, they're making schools a lot of money. So we're trying to look at, at new healthcare policies that are going to help those students in the long run, which is good. I believe that that's absolutely something they should be looking after. Um, the memo also says that addition, additionally, student athlete support could be in the form of revenue sharing, direct NIL payments, and other direct payments from the institution, which the memo says amounts to a form of pay for play. So essentially, this ACC memo, long story short, all of this wrapped into a ball, they want five things, but they also understand and asking for those things, there's going to have to be some give and take. There's always going to be negotiations at the table, and this is something that they're going to have to negotiate, and they're willing to see some sort of pay for play if they can have some rules and some uh, guardrails to work within to keep this thing from being the wild west that we've seen for the last uh, couple of years. So there's big changes on the horizon. And I think that that NIL is here to stay. There's no, there's no putting this back uh, like it used to be. It'll never be the way that it used to be. Um, I'm sorry to the, the old guys that hate this NIL um, phase that we've come into, but that's just the way that college football, college basketball is going to operate from here on out. If the power five conferences and the other entities involved in these sports can come together and find a way to be on level ground. I think that we could see something that is more what the NCAA dreamed it could be. I do think that players should be able to, to benefit off of their name, image, and likeness, but pay for play is wrong. It just is. In my mind, if, you want pay for play, then just allow kids to go straight to the NFL if that's what they're going for. Allow that just like in, in the NBA, just like in MLB, if you want to go and play and make money and that's the main thing that you're doing, just go to the next level then. If that's if we're going to do it that way, why don't we just let them go and do that in football as well? Um, I think that would look totally different, and I do think that that would take away from the college from college football as a whole, but – at least we would know that the teams that are doing things the right way, at least we know that that would be everything would be happening um, the right way and not necessarily something under the table. Now, I'm not naive. I don't think that NIL just started. I do know, I mean, teams have been, play, have been paying players for years. It's been happening for decades and decades. Um, we just want to act like it didn't go on. It has gone on, but... Um, at least we would know that it w- it's not legal to go out and pay a kid. Um, so that would bring back a little bit more dignity, I guess, to the game, for lack of a better term. But uh, that is going to do it for us here tonight. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We really appreciate you tuning in and coming back every week to the show. If you like the show, just make sure to give us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. I'm Brian Clinton, and we will catch you next time out here in the portal.